the Pelican Brief with your host, David Tatman. Welcome to the Pelican Brief. I am your host, David Tatman. We have a great show for you today. Uh, I have uh, with us uh, a friend and uh, a community leader in Baton Rouge uh, who has been focused on traffic issues uh, in Baton Rouge for a very long time. And I, I, I can not only do I consider him a friend, but very knowledgeable about this subject matter and really working to try to find some solutions to help address our problems with traffic. So uh, welcome, Coleman. Thanks for coming to the show. And, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, David. I'm uh, a retired architect and been in Baton Rouge all my life, 75 years, and uh, really enjoyed Baton Rouge and, and um, looking forward to living here a few more years, I hope. So, yeah, well, well thank you. And, and, and again, um, in my involvement in the community, you're everywhere. And I appreciate the time you've put into this because I think you have some really, really good ideas about what we need to be doing in Baton Rouge. And so why don't we kind of kick it off and let's talk a little bit about, you know, the big project uh, that Baton Rouge is working on and perhaps some alternatives that we have to for it. Well, the big project, of course, is the uh, Interstate 10 widening and, and um, actually it has evolved into the demolition of the interstate, uh, 4.2 miles in the heart of Baton Rouge. And um, that's a pretty big project. I really don't know of a bigger project in my lifetime uh, involving that scale of removal and replacement. So you have some really good ideas about some variations to that that we could do to perhaps do it for a lot less money? and to uh, take out some of the inconvenience that we may be dealing with in that? Well, you've basically got between 120 and 150,000 vehicles on the interstate uh, all day long, all week long. And so to accommodate that traffic and um, relieve this congestion, they're basically uh, seven or so choke points in this particular area of the interstate that have existed for 60 some odd years and basically until we came up with the terrace exit about seven years ago and Garrett Graves and and Sean Wilson uh, came up with the money it ended up being 9.3 million dollars to divert the traffic away from the Washington exit Zachary Baker of Central have all been growing still growing tremendously and so instead of taking Airline Highway, which is only four lanes for 17 of its 20-mile length, and the lights are still very poor on Airline, most of the traffic is directed down the interstate, and it causes tremendous confusion right in that curve. There's plenty of right-of-way that they've it's existed, the state owns it, paralleling Braddock Street and the interstate in what we call the juncture of Interstate 110 with 10. And that can be widened pretty easily without interrupting too much traffic. When we built the terrace exit, we hardly hurt traffic for more than a day or two coming from 110, diverting it down. We had a little bit of extra concrete on the west side, and so it was pretty easy to add a whole lane on the east side. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I've seen the change because obviously we're downtown right now and we know uh, how it affects it. It keeps, if people are use the exit, it keeps them from having to cross what is, what, three lanes of traffic at the choke point of where the bridge comes onto the interstate. So now they can just go left and they don't have to uh, create even more of a traffic jam. But, but, but the crazy thing to me is the Washington Street exit is still open. And, and so you have access from 110. You also have access from the Mississippi River Bridge, right? If you were coming across on the Mississippi River Bridge, you can get off before you get to I-10 and you can get to Washington there. Tell, tell me about the Washington Street exit. That seems to be a big part of our problem, at least coming from the bridge. Uh, yes. Well, one of the, I'll go ahead and say this, but one of the, probably the best question in my 20 years of involvement with this project comes from Senator Cleo Fields about maybe five or six months ago, he and I were talking and after about 10 to 15 minutes, Senator Fields asked me, he says, Coleman, just who uh, wants to keep the Washington exit open? And I said, well, not too many people. <laughs> and and that's in his district, right? It's in his district, yes. You know. And so, uh, you know, we have friends at St. Francis Xavier, Progressive Baptist Church, and other friends of mine that are welders that live right there, the people that live in that area. Uh, I haven't run across anybody. But I, I guess there may be some people that want to keep it open, and we're okay with that. And DOTD is okay with that themselves. DOTD and their design wants to move the Washington exit closer to what I call the big curve, and we do too. We, in our little design, we both come down around Louise Street, and, um, you know, that's perfectly acceptable under the federal uh, design guide. And is that part of the plan right now, what they're going to do? Yes. They, they come down at Louise Street, and they have a parallel road uh, uh, paralleling Braddock uh, in that large grassy area, and we have a video that shows this very clearly that's online and it's got about 10,000 views and we don't have anybody that has a thumbs down on it yet. So, uh, so what about the LSU lakes bridges? How, how do you handle that? Well, that's actually called city park bridges, city park bridges. Right. Okay. Uh, and we keep those bridges intact. There is some repairs that need to be done. And, uh, we discovered on our end that some, some acid wash at the base of the, columns but that can be repaired uh dotd had done two studies uh but they had missed that and uh, i don't know why they they missed it because it could be bad so under the current plan they don't they, there is no uh attempt to address the city park bridges i'm going to get that right on dotd's current plan they want to demolish those two bridges they want to demolish the nairn bridge which connects south downs with valley park is very critical if Acadian and Thruway, Acadian and College, either those streets have problems, which, as you know, there's four elementary schools right in that whole area right there that feed from the whole parish. So that would be chaos to remove that bridge and replace it, and that's what they would have to do. And so your plan, what would you do? Well, our plan basically addresses the need for continuous lanes. A continuous lane is the best example I can give you is the, the situation between Airline and Drusilla. 
DOTD about 1980 or so connected airline with Drusilla westbound and eastbound. They created another fourth lane with the entrances and exits. They were supposed to do that downtown in the early 80s, but for some reason or other, it never happened. So what you have basically causing a big clog every day, all day long, is the short entrances at Perkins and Acadian, Dalrymple and Louise, uh, Dalrymple and Washington. All of those cause people to basically get the interstate down to two in one lane as they're merging because you're so, you're so concerned about merging, you don't have enough running room ahead of you to get it done. So, so that's what our plan does. So in my part of the world, that would be similar to the uh, space between Blue Bonnet and Essen where there is a continuous lane when coming onto the exit that you can actually keep going and never really actually change lanes and get off at Blue Bonnet. That's what you mean by a continuous lane? Well, that's a separate continuous lane, a good, another really, really good example of it. But basically the continuous lane is a fourth lane that not only is it extremely safe, because if you have a problem on the three lanes that you currently have, you can move over to the fourth lane, and then it makes it very easy for people coming onto the interstate. They have a thousand plus feet, fifteen hundred feet to merge, as opposed to five hundred feet, right, or four hundred feet. Some of these things are really bad. Mm -hmm. Too close, right? W yeah. What is the standard of how many feet these exits should be? You really be need to have about a thousand feet or more on any of these entrances and exits, and so the continuous lane is really like getting a free fourth lane. And um, in our plan, like at, at Perkins Road, um, Fred Rayford, we had, it ex we had Perkins Road, we were extending the 500 feet that we had, another 500 feet. Well, Fred said, hey, just continue it, bring it all the way down to City Park Lake. So we, we revised our plan and got it to be 1,600 to 2,000 feet, I think. Uh, you know, it works out really well. So one of the things I notice in Baton Rouge traffic is the fact that you don't have, I don't have a lot of alternate routes, you know. And so I know that there's been a lot of talk, and you have talked about Airline Highway, about enhancing that. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of what your plans would be in that arena? Uh, Airline Highway needs to be widened to six lanes 30-plus years ago, uh, at least, the late Ken Osterberger wanted to make a West Bank Expressway type solution around the whole thing. Um, and Governor Edwards, Edwin Edwards, didn't necessarily like that idea for one reason or another. But basically, and we're not advocating that at all, because what we advocated was the widening of Airline Highway between Florida and Airline. Actually, it went to Cedarcrest, and that happened 15 years ago. I can't believe it's been so long. But that brought Airline Highway from an FF level of service, which is as bad as it gets. M many more babies were being born almost on Airline Highway than in the woman's hospital. Uh, brought it up from a FF to a B level of service. And it's remained pretty much a B ever since. So, so what we're saying is take the whole 17 miles, which it's in the move EBR program to widen it, and go ahead and get that done right away. That tax passed in the, in the fourth quarter. The city passed the tax 
in the fourth quarter on a federal road, that money really should be coming from federal and state money, but the city is going to be paying 100% of the widening of Airline Highway, and that is long overdue. So um, I remember Mike Walker talking about that. Was that, do you remember when Mike Walker was talking about doing some flyovers on Airline Highway? Are you familiar with that? He was a Metro councilman, ran for mayor. Do you recall that? And that was, was that part of your group's plan or, because I know that, you know, when you raise, when you do a raised highway, it changes the whole nature of the community and the neighborhoods and so on and so forth. I think what he was talking about is at some of the busier intersections doing flyovers. Well, when he talked about that, that was 15 to 20 years ago, probably. Right. So there've been some new things. The, the Sherwood Forest and airline has only half of a continuous flow interchange. And Mike Bruce with ABMB, it's now Stantec, came up with a great idea, from, was developed in Mexico with what they call a continuous flow interchange. And it works really well, but it still needs to be completed to get 100% of a continuous flow interchange at Sherwood in Florida. It's almost like a rural wet, red light at, for instance, waterproof where it's red and green, and there's no more left turns either way. And it's a brilliant solution, and it doesn't take up, it, it takes up a little bit of land, but you have a lot of right-of-way on Airline Highway to do maybe, if you can't do full continuous flow interchanges, you could do some half continuous flow interchanges at some of those critical intersections like Old Hammond. You've got to think about it. You've got to work on it a little bit. but. Those kind of things can be done, especially on Florida Boulevard. You could maybe do that. So if you did, if Denham. you built up some structure on Airline Highway, is that an effort to try to get some traffic on to the uh, old renovated uh, Uy Long Bridge? I mean, can that, is that one of the possible solutions that we have is to route traffic there, or is that not realistic? Yes. Uh, Uy Long Bridge only has about 25,000, something like that, Twenty to 30,000 cars a day and it could handle another 10,000 cars a day um, it was just recently uh, restored I think it was around 25 to 30 million dollars somewhere in there a couple of three years ago and um, so I drive across it every week uh, yeah I think the renovation of that bridge is is that you know it's it's not like the Yui Long Bridge where they basically put a new bridge in in New Orleans but it's pretty nice and I, I'd never uh, experienced traffic there. So if I have to go, you know, I guess I'm lucky, but if I see it on the bridge and I go that way, I can usually get, get home. The problem is, is that there are 50 red lights on airline before I get to where I live. And it's slow. I mean, if they're, if they're synced, they're synced to make sure I stop, not to make sure I go, you know. I play the little games where, you know, I'd say, okay, maybe it's set at 45 or maybe it's set at whatever. I haven't found that sweet spot yet, and so. And I hope that's first on Fred Rayford and the city of Baton Rouge's radar in terms of light changes. He's putting in uh, fiber optic on that street now, and really, I'm no expert on this, but it would seem like with all this Wi-Fi digital technology some of that could maybe be incorporated into these lights. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah, no doubt about it. Look, I know Fred, and I know he works hard, and I wouldn't want his job, right? Yeah. Nobody wants yeah, his – he does a great job. And, and, 
Yeah, but he, you know, he's working with within what you know the structure is to work with. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, I'm going to call it, you know, the new bridge. You know, this all of this conversation about the bridge that's going to be downriver. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you feel about that and about what you think that can or won't do for our traffic issues in Baton Rouge? Well, I'm not as big of an expert on the new bridge as I'd like to be um, because I've been so concerned about this plan, which would basically devastate the economy in Baton Rouge. And I've, I've tried to focus on solving this problem, which I think is fairly easy to solve for probably hundred million to two hundred million dollars but the new bridge everybody's been asking about it for years and of course we're pretty much stuck with the bridge that we have the uh, with six lanes coming across there's not much of an opportunity to add to that bridge what do we do on either side it's you know let's solve the simple things first but on a new bridge uh, former representative Gary Forster out of New Orleans, wrote a very interesting op-ed for the paper uh, last summer. And he suggested taking the uh, Highway 415, which is in Port Allen, having it extended paralleling the Intercoastal Canal to Plaquemine and actually on the west side of Plaquemine. There's some new opportunities with some new roads uh, that have been built in that area recently. Um, extending it on the west side of Plaquemine down to the Sunshine Bridge. You know, there's an 11-mile stretch between White Castle and Donaldsonville that's still two lanes. And every year the representatives from St. James, St. John, I've been watching them come to the legislature and basically say, gentlemen, we've got an opportunity here to economically have a good West Bank expressway, you know, a um, west side evacuation route from, uh, you know, all along from New Orleans and the, and the parishes below New Orleans up to Baton Rouge on the west side, having a restricted access four-lane road for a good evacuation route, I think makes the most common sense. You get almost a free interstate on the west side of the river uh, for not too much of a, a problem. And the, the people with more expert an analysis of that than myself but, but then you don't need a bridge right well to send that traffic to new orleans you don't need a bridge but conceivably we would need a bridge as plaquemine and and baton rouge continue to grow on that side the industrial connections even if there's one car that contains exxon shell mobile chevron an executive trying to get back and forth to their plants south of Baton Rouge from Houston, even if one car goes across that new bridge, yeah. it, it might pay for itself yeah. if it contains those engineers. And I've heard from some friends that have some sporting goods places that that those guys are not coming back until we get one. So I think so, it's I think it's funny that we still call the Horace Wilkinson Bridge the new bridge. And right. it's what, 52, 53 years 60 old? 60. Years, years okay, old. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so it's my age, actually. And I'm feeling the wear and tear, so I'm sure it's feeling the wear and tear, right? I think I think one of my uh, and I'm no expert on this, I'm just a podcaster and you know, a lobbyist in my spare time. Uh, but when one of the things that, you know, I don't I think that there is a perception 
that that bridge is going to have a major impact on Baton Rouge traffic. And based on the numbers that I've seen from some of the traffic studies, which talk about the number of local cars on the interstate, you know, the number of ones that go through, the ever-increasing flow of traffic from I-12, because that's growing a lot. Um, I don't know. Do you think that that new bridge is going to impact Baton Rouge traffic in any significant way? You're talking about the Plaquemine Bridge? The Plaquemine Bridge, Bridge, yes. Uh Well, we did some studies, and they were almost identical to what DOTD did. Um, And they may have changed that in the last year or two. But we did some studies, and it's pretty simple math, really, looking at the traffic, destination traffic going to Lafayette or to Hammond. It looks like about 15,000 vehicles might be going to New Orleans. And we sort of fudged that to get to that. So DOTD came up with the same number at the time, you know. So am I answering your question? Yeah, but so you still have 135,000 cars going across the bridge, right? And that is today's numbers because by the time that bridge gets built and all the infrastructure around it, is there, are, are there any studies out there that talk about the projections from that sort of, uh, you know? So, so I guess my point is that we are now, right now we're building infrastructure for what our problem is today as opposed to any sort of vision about what, it might be in the future. Now, Fred Rayford mentioned a study, um, and I haven't really looked into it, but he mentioned a study. But then some people said, oh, well, that study's a little couple of years old. That may be the one you're talking about that was about 1999 mm-hmm. or nine, 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 2019. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, I, that's it. And, and look, again, these are just studies. I, you know, I, I believe about half of what I read. Uh, and I believe all of what I hear on this podcast, because it's all true, but, you know, we sometimes get news reports and, you know, I have to dig deeper. I have to call friends like you and people that I know in government. But again, it seems like we're, we're growing. In other words, I, I kind of where I live, which is on the edge of town and Ascension Parish, Assumption Parish, all of those parishes are growing. You see neighborhoods coming, East Baton Rouge, neighborhoods coming up left and right. And so it seems like an explosion in population, although I guess in the big picture it's just adding to it. But we, we're going to have a lot more people and a lot more cars on the road. Like, for example, do you think I will be alive when that new bridge is built? I hope so. Yeah, well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Ten years, you got at least 20 years. <laughs> is that what it would be, 10 years before it was operational? Well, that's what some people say. Yeah. Do you, you believe know, that? Well, that's probably pretty realistic yeah. yes you know yeah well good yeah because I, I i just think uh look it's it, it you know you think of um if you're a young person you know you're trying to look at your commute you want to know where you want you know to live uh it's it's kind of a big deal and then you know what is this project that we're about to go into what are there's a lot of people that are saying that the uh interstate's going to go down to one lane do you know how that interstate's going to look during this project if we go DOTD route? Well, we submitted 67 very detailed questions to DOTD in 2018, September the 12th, 2018. They answered them September the 12th, 2022. Um, One of the biggest questions in those 67 questions had to do not just with Interstate 10, but Interstate 110. And we asked them how long Interstate 110 
would be one lane? And that seemed like a very bizarre question to me at the time, but our committee of about a dozen people were meeting before the pandemic about once a week. And some of the people came up with that question. They were going like, wait a minute, this is gonna be 110 too. And so that's something that has escaped the news a whole lot recently. And that is 110 is gonna be just as bad or maybe a lot worse than 10 in terms of going down to one lane in DOTD's current proposal, mm -hmm. which will be a royal disaster. Sure, if you're coming in from the airport, uh, if you're coming to work from uh, one of the, you know, Exxon or, uh, or if you're coming to, coming in from uh, down, you know, downtown, if you're an employee, because that's a, you know, 430 downtown, there's a mass exodus down there's there. There's not much property available in Zachary. Mm -hmm. uh, people are really moving to Zachary and all points north of Zachary. Mm -hmm. um, and they're using the Interstate 110 big time. Uh, we don't have any current statistics, but I'm sure we can get it in terms of the growth. But that's something that's really, really growing. So you, I just appointed you king. You're now king, not just uh, head of transportation, but king. What, we, what do you do? What are the solutions that we need to be looking at? Like if you were in charge and you could make all the calls, what would we do? Well, I would start with freeing up the Washington exit. So simple. That would be a one-day project to put the barriers up there and let the traffic use the existing flow. Then Airline Highway, I would expedite those traffic lights that I know Fred's working hard on. I would make that number two. You know, you could do that pretty short order. Why, begin widening Airline Highway. When, when the mayor's office called our committee and asked us what to do in 2017, we said widen Airline Highway was the number one thing on our list. Well, I didn't realize that she wanted us, the city of Baton Rouge, to pay for a federal road. But I would go ahead and widen it with the $100 million that we had. It's probably going to cost a lot more than that now. And then try to add the overpass at Choctaw later or go ahead and do it now. That's about another $30, $35 million addition getting that overpass at Choctaw. I would try to get that traffic off of 12 onto Florida and clean up the lights on Florida and have a lot less restricted entrances and exits on Florida. You've got an ideal situation with eight lanes from Florida to Denham Springs. It's like an interstate, and you only have about, you have about 30 35% less traffic on Florida now than you used to have a while ago. I don't have any current stats on it, but get Florida as almost like an inner interstate, you know, with some more restricted access. Those are simple things, and Fred has had some great ideas on O'Neill Lane, connecting it to South Choctaw's extension. Those things are already in place, just needs a little bit more improvement. Certainly, like we talked about earlier, O'Neill Lane and Range, get those improved like they did a great job over on Essen Lane. You know, I think it's working pretty well on Essen Lane. I, you know, I think the whole of Essen Lane doing way better than it used to. Oh, no doubt about you it. You know, so whatever they did there, they could certainly do out on those other projects. Something that people haven't really ever talked about, we could spend $2 billion on this Interstate 10, and it would still be broken because Airline Highway and Sherwood are a, a jam-up 
thing every afternoon. So westbound, you would still have all of that traffic jamming up at Airline Highway when they're on the interstate going west. So the simple thing to do there is build another fourth lane over Cedar Crest and connect it to Sherwood, you know. Uh, you get a free fourth lane, more or less, with just one little addition right going over the little cedar crest fly over there. You have to kind of go slow. I don't want to go slow, too slow through there, but you can no, see it sure. pretty easily Absolutely. when you're driving that way. So, yeah, unless we do that, that's, those are simple things to be done. We could do those right away, but I don't think it's on the plans anywhere. Maybe Capital Region Planning Commission might have some thoughts on that. I'm sure they do, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know. No, so I, those are some simple things to do. I could keep going. Oh, towing. Towing. In 2008, we had an instant tow law by Senator McPherson, and I don't know where he is right now, but he'd be a good one for retired. us to talk to. Yeah. But he passed an instant tow law, and they used it about 11 times in 2011, and then DOTD is still having trouble trying to find the report of why we're not using that 10, 12 years later. But we're doing those nice little DOTD tow trucks. But we had a situation in Baton Rouge that we really needed that uh, instant tow law because you've got all these tanker trucks coming through town. And, you know, Roadrunner Towing is equipped to handle that. One thought that we had in mind, and I know it maybe needs to be worked out, but we had at, at 10 and 110, we had a little crossover that the late Smokey Bourgeois and I were thinking about where we could have an emergency vehicle right there on the interstate. And Roadrunner Towing told us for a nominal amount, maybe it was under $100,000 a year, they would keep somebody there in the critical times, a big tow truck there to get things out. But uh, towing changed in 17, 18 years ago. Uh, Mayor uh, Holden decided to have towing by the middle of the river. But before that, we used to be doing towing by direction, reverse direction. So the police would block it off, blah, blah, blah. And then if we had an accident on top of the bridge, we would be able to approach it the right. opposite way pretty easily. So those are some simple things that we've been trying to talk to the mayor and the police chief on in here. Port Allen people have been extremely cooperative. And people on the west side are easy to reach, extremely cooperative. And that's another thing I want to say, too, about... I've attended a few of these Capital Region Planning Commission meetings, and the mayors, and the 17 or so mayors, I have been just amazed at how smart these mayors are and really understand things like, yeah. I'm kind of getting off the subject, but no, you I, asked look, me some simple things. Well, yeah, no, look, I, I think that's what we're looking for, and the reality of it is is that you're out there looking for solutions. You're not just, you know, you're not sitting back, and I appreciate that. You've been, you know, you're retired, right? You don't have to be doing any of this. You could be uh, sitting in your backyard. Much rather be fishing. Yeah, that's, I like that, too. So, much rather uh, be fishing. Yeah. I, I would always much rather be fishing. How's that go? A bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work. Oh, yeah. um, so I like that, too. So um, I, I know you're out there. You're talking to people. If people on, on our podcast want to get in touch with you to either get you to come speak to their group or they just want to reach out to you to discuss these issues how do they get in touch with you well my cell phone is readily available 225-636-9080 and then we have uh, the beginnings of a, uh, a lot of our documents and everything are on ebrsolutions.org ebrsolutions.org 
Facebook.org. And we'll make sure we post all of that up on the board and on our tag for our show. So I want to thank you for coming in and being with us. Uh, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, we are uh, we are the Pelican Brief, and if you would uh, you want to follow us and subscribe, we are the Pel at the Pelican Brief two two five on all of the social media platforms. If you would like to email us, uh, we are the Pelican Brief two two five at gmail.com. So thank you for uh, being here. We thank our audience. I think uh, your message is going to reach a lot of people who make those decisions because that's who our audience is right now. And uh, hopefully uh, they will reach out to you or they will gather this information up and uh, ask some really good questions. So we're going to post everything that you have up on our platform. So thank you so much again for being here. We appreciate it. And we are out. <laughs>